0: Hello and welcome to episode 61 of The Past and the Curious. My name is Mick Sullivan and this is my show. Maybe you're a regular, maybe you're not. Hopefully you will be though. Each month we focus on two stories from the past that we find fascinating, valuable, or both. I hope you enjoy this episode about Adelaide Herman, who was also known as the Queen of Magic, and Marina Raskova and her Russian friends known as the Night Witches. Adelaide's story is read by my friends Greg and Abigail Maupin, a tremendously talented pair who are also known as Renny Gazoo. Parts of Marina's story feature the voice of my old friend Kelly Moore. Also, I have some really great news and we'll go into more detail at the end if you want to stick around. But basically for the next 12 to 14 months, there is going to be twice as much of the past and the curious in your feed. People have wanted more of the show, so I'm going to give it to you with a new monthly series about people from history and their underwear. I'd like to tell you more about it, so hang around and I'll give you the rundown after the stories. So, you know, let's go. Stories. Hello, I'm Marina Raskova. Yes, I know you. You are the Russian Amelia Earhart. What if I told you Amelia Earhart is the American Marina Raskova? Marina Raskova probably got sick of the comparisons to Amelia Earhart. Of course, in the days before World War II, Amelia's accomplishments and history-making moments were pretty hard to dodge for other women flying through the air. Of course, each flight, each record set by any woman, would inch the world a little closer towards equality. But even still, perhaps it is best if people are not compared to others and instead remembered for their own accomplishments. And Marina had many in her life. She had once wanted to be an opera singer. She studied in music school where her teachers thought she was very talented, just like her opera singing father. But when he was killed in a motorcycle accident, her resolve faltered a bit with the stress on her family. Later, a bad and lingering ear infection messed with her ability to hear herself as well as she needed in order to be a professional singer. So Next on her list of interests, chemistry. She switched her studies, graduated in chemistry, and got a job to help support her family. After a few modest chemist jobs, she became a draftswoman in a laboratory for Russia's National Air Force Academy. It wasn't exactly chemistry, But a trained mind could adapt to anything, and eventually, hers adapted to flying those airplanes at the academy. The word trailblazer is often used to describe certain people, but not everyone knows the word's original intent. If you've ever been on a hiking trail, you might have noticed a colored marker or shape that is painted onto a tree or a post on the trail. That mark is called a blaze. It's a symbol giving direction to anyone else who travels that trail, helping them to follow in the steps of the person who left them. That person is the trailblazer. They left their blazes on a trail for others to follow, right? Marina was a trailblazer, because while she set records and broke barriers in her airplane, she did much more than just lay the groundwork. She also spent tireless hours getting hundreds of other women up in the air in airplanes of their own. By 1933, she was enrolled in flight school, and the next year she was the first female flight navigator in Russia, and was soon an instructor. Thanks to the records she set, she gained fame, and regular comparisons to Amelia Earhart. She's the American Marina Roskova! It wasn't a flight that made her famous, though. It was a crash. In September of 1938, she was the lead navigator for a flight across the vast Russian landscape on a plane called Rodina. With her were two other Russian women, and the three would make history when they set the world record for the longest non-stop flight by an all-female crew. They left Moscow and flew nearly 6,000 kilometers, or close to 4,000 miles. If they headed west, the staggering distance would have carried them all the way to New York City, but their easterly direction took them to the frigid wilderness of Russia's Siberia region north of Japan, and just west of Alaska. Unfortunately, they ran low on fuel, and they had poor visibility. Oh, and they lost their radio contact with ground support. So these were some bad problems to have 26 hours into a flight. And on top of it, I don't think they had slept. It became clear to the women that they would soon be hitting the ground. They probably hit the ground pretty hard. As the navigator, Marina's position was towards the nose of the plane, which would have been a really, really bad spot to be hanging out in when the plane smashed into the ground. So Marina donned a parachute and bailed. She jumped into the wilderness. The other two women, both in safer spots, stayed aboard for the impact. They survived. Marina did too, but she found herself in the middle of nowhere, completely, Alone. And rural, middle of nowhere Siberia is not a comfy, cozy place. It's desolate and cold and filled with things like bears and wolves. Once on the ground, she had no compass and no water. According to some reports, the only food she had with her was a pair of chocolate bars. She was obviously underprepared for her predicament. Nevertheless, she set out in the direction she thought the plane would have crashed, somewhere out there in the vast, cold, wolfy Siberian wilderness. And for nine arduous days, she lived like a woman of the wild, staying warm, fed, hydrated, and most importantly, alive. On the tenth day, fresh out of chocolate, but full of determination, and wild mushrooms and berries that she had found to eat, Marina appeared at the crash site, greeted by her fellow flyers and rescue crew. It was hard to believe. The Russian government wasted no time in telling this amazing story, but they glossed over the crashy part. The women were honored with the highest recognitions in the military, and the press retold their stories time and again, All of this made them huge national stars, and Marina would use her fame very well. Listen to her, she's the Russian Amelia Earhart. No, she's the American me. There is some evidence that Marina was an undercover agent for the government, working to identify people who were opposed to their efforts. This could be another explanation for the influence that she had, beyond just her fame. See, World War II would soon rage across Europe, and the Nazi soldiers of Germany pushed into Russia with the largest army force in history up to that point. Russia was in danger, and losing young soldiers to the invasion daily. It was a truly terrifying circumstance, and the country was overwhelmed. As a famous flyer, Marina received letters from women constantly asking her to do what she could do to help them enlist. Women were unable to join the army initially, though thousands were willing and ready to do so. She traveled to meetings with a box full of letters saying the same thing, Let us fly, we will protect Russia! Thanks to her influence, things changed in 1941 with the creation of three regiments of female fighter pilots. Women in all three divisions completed their training in months, a training that took most pilots four years to complete. Marina led the 589th Dive Bomber Regiment, who had state-of-the-art planes and were the most well-equipped, but they were not the most famous or the most feared. That honor goes to the 588th Night Bomber Regiment. These were the women who would go down in history as the Night Witches. While Marina and her division were flying high and free in fancy new planes, the Night Witches made do with the equivalent of the oldest, moldiest leftovers in the Russian refrigerator. What a piece of junk. She'll make it 0.5 past light speed. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. Really? No, you're right. It's a piece of junk. Plywood and canvas. That's what the U2 biplanes flown by the Night Witches were made from. Someone could use those same materials to paint a portrait or make a tent, but instead Russian farmers used them to make an airplane for crop dusting, and newbie pilots would use the same crafts for the most basic of air training. But the Night Witches would fight Nazis with them. It turns out that these lackluster airplanes were kind of a blessing in disguise. First and foremost, They were so slow that enemy planes had a hard time catching them. I know that sounds weird, but dig this. Even at its slowest speed, a German airplane was faster than the U-2s. So if the fancy fast plane slowed down enough to stay behind the Night Witch, well, their engines couldn't handle the slow speed and they would stall. And down they go. Another deficiency of the U-2s that proved to be helpful had to do with their relative lack of altitude. The planes flew so low, so close to the ground, that enemy radars couldn't detect them. And they only ran missions in the dark of night, which made them even more fearsome. But it was how they approached their target that was the most terrifying to the Nazis. In an effort not to be heard, they'd turn their engines off as they approached their targets usually a Nazi base near the battle line. They made no sound except for the whoosh of the wind against the canvas sides of their planes, and observers described the eerie noise like that of the vibrating bristles of a giant broom, a witch's broom, in the night, magically appearing like a night witch. (gasps) Like a night witch. Until they were disbanded at the end of World War II in 1945, the Night Witches flew thousands of missions and were honored by Russians and feared by German Nazis. And they did it all with canvas and wood airplanes. Marina, however, would not make it to the end of the war. As with other early pilots, her life ended in a plane crash. Despite this, her influence extends beyond pilots in World War II. The trail she blazed was helpful, no doubt, to other women who would join the Russian Air Force a generation later. In 1963, Valentina Tereshkova, another woman who flew planes in the Russian Armed Forces, would complete special training and become the first woman in space. Because she was the first, Valentina never had to deal with any comparisons to someone like Amelia Earhart. She's the American Marina Raskova.
1: customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust? You need Shopify for retail. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Shopify's sleek, reliable POS hardware takes every major payment method and looks fabulous at the same time. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com lifestyle, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lifestyle to take your retail
2: business to the next level today. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. (laughs)
0: this month's you have 30 seconds comes from sisters molly and greta who live in the pullman neighborhood in chicago and they're gonna do one of my favorite things in the world that anyone can do they're gonna share history of their hometown in
1: 1894 hundreds of employees of the pullman palace car company stopped working to try and get better pay the leaders of the chicago company wouldn't listen to them a man named eugene v debs helped organize a national boycott of pullman rail cars Violence broke out close to the factory, but the governor refused to help. When the strike stopped the US mail, troops were sent in. Pullman
3: workers realized that they would not win their strike and they had to go back to work.
1: To make the people feel better, the government created Labor Day.
0: That was awesome. Thank you all for sharing that and bringing some of your local history, which is national and international history, and sharing it with everybody. That was really great. Uh, if you have 30 seconds that you would like to share about your hometown or not about your hometown or about uh, someone, I don't know, some of you read a book, you did something cool, you have a class project, I bet you have a story that you want to tell. And if that's the case, all you got to do is record it with a phone or an iPad or a computer or a tape player. And yeah, right. And then uh, send it in. There's instructions on the website or you can just email it to hello at thepastandthecurious.com. It's quiz time. It's quiz time. It's quiz time. Time, time. That's right. It's quiz time again. And this one might ring a bell. Ding, ding. What gold medal winning boxing champ was also a magician? In addition to his incredible boxing and way with words, Muhammad Ali was an amateur magician. He loved hanging out with magicians, and according to many, his abilities with sleight of hand was incredible, which makes sense when you think about it. However, his most impressive feat was a levitation trick he would do that involved himself and his bodyguards. Question number two. In the last story, we mentioned Valentina Tereshkova, the first woman in space. Do you know who was the first man in space? It was another person from Russia named Yuri Gagarin. In 1961, the Air Force pilot spent one hour and 29 minutes in orbit. He never ever went back to space, but he was a huge part of history and in true trailblazer fashion, he helped train many others to go to space after him. In 1968, the Russian government named a town, Gagarin, in his honor. Question number three. Harry Houdini was the first person to do what in Australia? This question blends our first story with our second story so well, because Harry Houdini was a magician, but he was the first person to fly an airplane in Australia. And I know, I think we've used a version of this question for quiz time before, but airplanes and magicians was just such a perfect fit. So with that, on to the next story.
4: William Wickham, the mayor of New York, had prodigious mutton chops. His mustache was bushy, matching salt and pepper hair covered his cheeks. But peeking out like a groundhog from the brush, was his bare chin, which was the only part of his face he regularly shaved.
3: One day in 1874, he stood with his hairless chinny-chin-chin on the steps of the courthouse to perform the wedding ceremony of a man named Alexander Hermann and a woman named Adelaide Scarce. With the I do's done and the kisses kissed, the groom turned out his pockets and sheepishly confessed that he had no money to pay for the ceremony. Then slyly and surely suppressing a smile, he reached into Mayor chops's bushy, chinless beard and pulled out a wad of money, which he threw into the air with a flourish.
4: Alexander was a master of legerdemain, which is a fancy way to say sleight of hand. He was a magician known as Hermann the Great, and he was, in fact, pretty great, and pretty famous, too. But that woman he married would also become one of the most famous magicians in the world. One day... She would be known as Adelaide Hermann, the Queen of Magic.
3: In the late 1800s, magic was huge, and the only way to learn the art of illusion was from someone who had mastered it. It was passed down directly from person to trustworthy person.
4: You can't spill those beans to just anyone.
3: Though his father was a magician, Alexander mostly learned as an apprentice to his older brother, who was also known as Hermann the Great. So when Alexander himself became a full-fledged fancy-pants magician with a cape and a mustache, the world was graced with two Hermans the Great.
4: Should that be two Hermon the Greats?
3: Whatever. This multiplicity of Hermans.
4: Could you say that again, please?
3: Multiplicity of Hermans. Thank you. This allowed for Hermon the Great to be in two places at once.
4: Which Hermon would you get?
3: Anyone's guess. Anyway, those amazing skills from both great Hermans would eventually be shared with Adelaide. Luckily, she was blessed with incredible command and ability when it came to controlling not just her body, but also the attention of the audience.
4: Her dreams, however, did not start with magic. First, she longed to be a A dancer. dancer. Born in 1853 and growing up in London, she scratched her itch to dance by joining an aerial acrobatic troupe. Flying through the air came naturally to her and she showed little fear.
3: As a young woman, she made it to the stage both as a dancer and with a performing group doing tricks while riding a velocipede.
4: A velocipede being a character cut from the theatrical release of the first Jurassic Park movie.
3: A velocipede being an early form of the bicycle.
4: Ah, sorry. Go on.
3: And Adelaide would do stunts and jumps and even carry other women on her shoulders as she sped around the stage on the new and exciting vehicle. But when she met Alexander Hermann on a boat heading across the Atlantic to America, her fate was sealed.
4: At first, she joined her husband's act as the magician's assistant and was soon an indispensable part of the performance. She could cover any role on stage. Their show was such a production that she even got to indulge her love of dance, in addition to handling explosives, setting up complex illusions, and even appearing to be engulfed in flames.
3: One of the first public magic tricks of her own happened by surprise on stage. Her husband introduced the trick, set it up, and then informed the audience, and Adelaide, that she would be doing it. It was a rope trick. She made the knots disappear, the audience cheered, and a star was born.
4: Their touring carried them across America, Europe, Asia, South America, and more. Nearly everywhere, they'd perform for both the public and the powerful and famous. Kings and queens, tsars and tsarinas, is that right? Yes. Tsarinas, emperors... Presidents oft times the magic couple was so impressive that they'd leave with special gifts from the royal audience
3: She wasn't the only other part of the act, but she was the most important and the most adaptable When they were in South America one of their fellow cast members quit this person had a very important job in the show being fired from a cannon the sudden defection left them without a person to hurl through the air with high-powered explosives
4: When you put it like that, it's easy to get why they might have quit.
3: In any case, a highlight of their show was missing. So Adelaide, who would do a hundred other things on stage that night, would also find herself blasted from a cannon barrel, luckily landing in a net on the other side of the stage, just above the unforgivingly hard ground.
4: Their fame grew, and so did their fortunes. They bought a beautiful home in Queens, New York, had a yacht, and even a private rail car to carry all of their stage clothes, props, and structures. Among their sizable collection of live pets were two ostriches, which were probably a nightmare to take care of in the big city.
3: The act grew.
4: I'll say it did. Have you ever seen an ostrich egg?
3: The act grew beyond simple magic. Their productions were artistic, dramatic, dangerous, and thrilling for audiences. But their home, their yacht, their rail car...
4: Their ostriches...
3: Their ostriches... Cost money, and so did this growingly elaborate stage show. Adelaide was not sure that they were actually making a profit. When Alexander, the most famous magician in America, died, she found out just how in debt they were.
4: At first it seemed like an okay plan. The name Hermann the Great had already been used by the two brothers at the same time, one in England and one in America. Plus, Adelaide knew the act inside and out, so she figured she could just keep it going. And despite Hermann the Great being Hermann the Gone, the act would live on. She sent for her husband's nephew, Leon Hermann, who had been working as a magician in England. With him joining the act, a new Hermann the Great was thrust upon the world. They restaged the show and started selling tickets Within a month.
3: It was a bust. Quickly, Adelaide figured out that Leon was no Hermann the Great. He was more along the lines of Hermann the... Eh. But truthfully, it would have been more accurate to call him Hermann the kind of cocky and unwilling to recognize that his aunt was both a better magician and a better business person.
4: Tough to fit that on a poster, though.
3: Yep. So instead, she told the kid to take a hike. Hermann the... Was fired,
4: from the job.
3: Yes, not the cannon. Yeah. From that moment and for the next three decades, she was Adelaide Herrmann.
4: Herrmann, Herrmann, Herrmann.
3: Queen
4: queen, queen. 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 Of magic. Magic. Gotcha,
3: gotcha. Magic. The solo show she developed earned rave reviews and brought enthralled audiences. It's easy to understand why. Her elaborate productions blended magic, music, her beloved dancing, and the one thing that you just can't go wrong with, cute animals.
4: It was a great way to open a show. On stage sat a wooden structure built to resemble Noah's Ark. Water began to run down the chimney from which climbed two very wet cats. As the water continued a parade of animals, two by two, Made their way up a ramp. There were zebras and lions, tigers, even elephants. Most of these wild animals, you see, were but a fraction of their usual real life size. But they were not babies and they were not miniature breeds. Each and every one was a puppy dog.
3: A puppy dog. A
4: puppy dog, wearing a costume. Once the cute brigade made their way onto the boat, it opened to reveal the night's entertainment. Adelaide Herrmann, whose stage makeup was probably in danger of being licked off by her co-stars.
3: But it wasn't all cute and cuddly. There was drama and danger, too. One trick she called The Witch. The curtained stage was dark and gloomy when she appeared in a dim corner, looking much older than she truly was. Plodding slowly and painfully, her character strained to make her way to a flaming pyre across the stage, which burned with very real flames. The audience, who watched the arduous journey in silence, gasped as the old woman jumped straight into the fire. The figure on stage seemed to be burned to the core and then remained in a motionless ashy clump. But soon... With the strains of the music turning to a more hopeful tune, a body magically emerged. It was Adelaide again, now looking youthful, bright, and reborn, like a phoenix from the ashes.
4: And, of course, there was also her most popular and famous trick, one she had perfected while working beside her husband, the bullet catch. It was very dangerous, and we're not going to go into the details.
3: Do not try this at home.
4: Or at school. If memory serves, Robert Houdin did something similar to The Bullet Catch, which was covered in one of the earliest episodes of the podcast. The danger was great, and Adelaide was filled with fear each and every time she did it. But it was the moment she created to win the audience completely, and they never saw her sweat.
3: Even as she aged, she adapted her show and kept the ticket-buying audience happy. She never really resembled that plodding old woman who jumped in the fire, but some of her spinniest dances and velocipede tricks had to be retired on account of her aging body.
4: The worst hit to her career came when her warehouse caught fire. All of her props, costumes, and tricks were in there, but also all of her memories, programs from the past, notes from her husband, even those gifts from royalty they were given so many years ago.
3: But she was not one to despair. Again, she adapted her stage show, and the 72-year-old who'd spent her lifetime around magic and the stage did what she'd always done. She kept going. She performed for two more years until she finally retired.
4: Like other magicians who hung up their tuxes and top hats, Adelaide hung up her formal gowns from the stage life and lived quietly until 1932.
3: It's unlikely any of her neighbors had an inkling of all the amazing things the old lady had done in her lifetime. And though she left a memoir, most of her magical secrets disappeared with her.
4: You can't
0: spill those beans to just anyone. Thank you so much to Greg and Abigail Maupin for doing such a great job with that story. And also my friend Kelly Moore, it's great to have her voice on there. Um, So uh, here's the news before we do Patreon, uh, and and thanks to everybody. um, I'm going to fill you in. Thanks for sticking around. Here's the deal. Over the last few years, uh, I, Mick Sullivan, worked very hard writing a book called I See Lincoln's Underpants. And sadly, I have found that getting it published probably isn't gonna happen. That's a big bummer, but I want to make the most of it. There's no sense in it sitting around gathering dust, right? So this book is 14 chapters and each is an interesting narrative with curious moments and historical context and biographical information on notable historical figures. It's a lot like the show, but each and every story involves that person's underwear. It's all true. And it took me a long time to research and outline and write as you might imagine. So, Since it's not going to be a book anytime soon, what I'm going to do is release it a chapter at a time in between the regular releases of the podcast. Here's what that means for you. Our monthly episodes will still hit your podcast feed as they have for the last five years, five years, five years. But in between that, you will get a chapter of the book that I'll record and release into that very same feed. So it'll be, you know, roughly two weeks in between. So you sit there, I'll give you twice as many episodes For free! What a deal, right? Seems like a great way to celebrate five years and to thank you for all the support. So what happens when I finish releasing this book? Uh, Probably I'm going to go back to the monthly release because uh, the creative process and research takes a long time. But for now, I'm sitting on a stockpile of great stories, and I want to share them. Uh, So for the next year, we're going to party twice as much, y'all! Get excited! Okay, Patreon people! Megan, thank you very much for your support, and also Ander and Winnie. Hello out there. I'm so glad that you're tuned in and you're listening. And also, um, Kyle Boyd, I need to thank you as well. I'm so happy that you enjoy the show, and uh, I appreciate your support and your ears. Kenzo, 11 years old, and Noemi, 8 years old, hello to you. Thank you for listening and supporting, and... uh uh dropping a line i really appreciate that same goes to xavier xavier uh i'll have something special for you next month because uh really really touching i really appreciate it last but not least we have a birthday joseph minot happy birthday to you depending on when you listen to this it might actually be your birthday which that'd be pretty awesome if it's not your birthday it's your birthday just a couple days before so i hope you enjoy i hope that you continue to enjoy i'm so glad that you are a fan i'm so glad that you listen that goes for everyone but happy birthday and happy birthday goes for everyone too whenever it is your birthday but right now specifically that's for joseph the rest of you happy birthday whenever it's your birthday also thank you very much to everyone out there stay tuned for the debut of underwear i don't have a catchy title yet so it's probably going to be like the underwear Chronicles or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, so you'll be seeing that sometime soon. Until then, I'm Mick Sullivan. This has been the past and the curious and you be nice.
1: we're on the jacuzzi.
0: We needed a pool.
1: Because we're a news pool for curious kids. And adults. Join us as we dive deep into the big news story
2: of the week. Which might be politics. Or more likely some super duper science story. Either about happenings here on Earth. Or up in space. Also the latest tech news. Sports news. Arts, culture and entertainment. Darling. (laughs) And we always like to end with an oddball. A story to make you smile. Newsy paloozy. The news. Pool Pod. New episodes every Wednesday. <laughs>